I'll walk by faith even when I cannot see. You know, our Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we're forgiven. Sin has lost its power. And we're able to have a relationship with God. We, we have the promise of heaven. And we can have a hope because of that promise in our life, that, that God is always with us, that he will guide us and protect us and unleash his power and strength in our life. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Or do you have some doubts? And if you have some doubts, well, you're not alone. You know, we've been looking at various people who encountered the resurrected Jesus And my hope and prayer for this series has been that we might gain some new insight, that we might get a new perspective, and that we would learn to walk by faith, even when we can't see. You know, perspective, it's a particular attitude that you have, a way that you regard something. That perspective is a point of view. It determines how you see things uh, in the world, how you see things in your own life. And it is a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, Jesus, he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose from, from the dead. And scripture records that the resurrected Jesus appeared numerous times before he ascended into heaven. This is one of those times. Matthew 28, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This is Jesus's last appearance on, on earth. Theologians believe that this is the same encounter that when you read in other gospels that not only were the disciples there, but there was a crowd of possibly up to 500 people that saw Jesus ascend. And when they saw Jesus, scripture says some worshiped, but some doubted, which I find strangely encouraging. You know, anytime I read scripture, there, there are times I just get encouraged in my heart. Have, have you ever noticed when somebody stumbles or misses the mark, it kind of gives you hope? <laughs> That's kind of twisted, isn't it? I, I mean, I find it encouraging because I realize I'm not alone. I, I find it very, very encouraging that the disciples, some of the followers of Jesus, that actually got to see the resurrected Jesus, that some of them doubted. And that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Now, I long to be, I want to be a person of faith. I want to walk by faith, e- even when I can't see And I want to live with that kind of confidence and that kind of assurance, you know, where you go, God says it, I believe it, that settles it, no doubt about it. But it's not always that simple, is it? And in fact, my guess is that for many of you, you would say, you know what, my faith is very, very complicated. You want to believe, 
but you're a little bit skeptical sometimes. I, I want to believe, but I need more information. I, I need a few things answered. I need a little proof. I mean, I want to believe. Anybody need a little proof out there? I mean, truthfully, I'm somewhat like that in my life. I, I tend to question things. I'm naturally skeptical. I'm very quick uh, when someone tells me something, I don't necessarily go, oh, that's truth. The uh, fact is, I gotta go do a little research. I, I have to be shown. I, I, I need some proof that indeed it, it's accurate. You know, when I was a kid, I was always questioning things. I would air my uh, spiritual doubts. And I grew up in a church, they didn't appreciate that. They didn't appreciate my skepticism. I, I made many of my teachers very uncomfortable, even made my pastor uh, uncomfortable with my questions sometimes. And I may have shared this before, but uh, the fact is, I remember one time talking to, to my pastor, and uh, he, from my perspective, okay, it may not have been so, but it seemed like I made him really uncomfortable. And I asked him, I said, if Satan was to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, could he be saved? And I remember him going, kind of clipped me quick. He's like, Damon, after you die, you don't get a second chance. And I go, I understand that, but Satan was an angel, so he didn't die. He just got kicked out of heaven. So is it possible that he could be saved? I mean, is God's grace that big? That's really what I was getting at. He was really aggravated at that point. He goes, Damon, quit asking me questions. I will not answer any more questions from you. Now, I remember walking away and going, oh, well, that's fine. You haven't really answered very many of my questions anyway. But uh, yeah, yes, I was that kid. <laughs> Friends, I kept asking questions. I just didn't ask him anymore. And what I've come to realize in my life is it's okay to question things. God's okay with whatever your question is. Ask difficult questions. Ask deep questions. Ask those profound questions. God welcomes your questions. And the, believe me, God and the Bible can withstand whatever scrutiny you want to throw that way. So bring it on. Probe, seek, ask. And you will find the answer, and it'll be life-changing. Now, I grew up in a, a traditional church. I remember sitting one Sunday morning in church, and I was sixth grade, okay? And uh, I'm listening to the message about the resurrection of Jesus. Everybody's nodding their head yes. And then I get this wave of doubt that just kind of sweeps over me. And uh, I was taking notes, and I know you go, really, Damon? You're, you were a strange kid, right? 
I know some of you are thinking you're still a strange person, but, uh, but I remember writing in my journal, what if it isn't true? Real doubts, real doubts about my faith, real doubts about God, about Jesus Christ. Friends, doubts come in all shapes and sizes. And I know there, there are people out there, they, they doubt the existence of God. And in fact, they would say anybody that believes in God, well, they're just foolish, they've, they've lost their minds. Some people, they'll go, well, there's a, there's a higher power. I mean, and you can call it God if you want, but I doubt that that God really cares about what's going on. I've prayed and prayed and prayed, nothing. I doubt that God could love me after all I've done in my life. Others might say, well, there was a time, there was a time I, I wanted to believe in God, and then I met a few Christians they were weird, they were hypocritical, and if that's God, yeah, no thanks. I think churches sometimes will imply that if you have doubts, if you question too much, that you have no faith. If you doubt that maybe you shouldn't even be in church, and friends, I, wanna, I just want to clear this up. Faith fellowship, it's okay if you got doubts. It's okay. This is a safe space to share doubts. If you don't admit your doubts, you cannot work through your doubts. And if you don't work through your doubts, you may never experience a deep faith in your life. And so today I want to kind of zero in on a guy that got branded as a doubter. You know, Thomas was his name. Thomas was one of the disciples. He became known as Doubting Thomas. How many of you have heard him called that? Yeah, I'm just curious. From my perspective, that is messed up that he's known for that. Big time. His worst moment defines him, which goes against everything that I understand about the Christian faith. In fact, I would argue that Thomas shouldn't be defined by his worst moment, but maybe by his best. Maybe we should call him Thomas the Honest. And I love the story of Thomas. You know, Thomas, and I'm going to pick up from where we were last week, but the disciples, you remember, they're gathered in the, in the room. They, they're, they're all of them except Judas. Judas has killed himself at this point. And Thomas isn't there. We don't, we don't know why, but Thomas is not there. They're terrified in this room. They're, they're scared because they're afraid they're going to get arrested. You know, that they're going to get executed for being conspirators with Jesus. So they have the doors locked, they've got them barred, and at the same time, they're kind of processing everything that's happened. You know, they, they've talked to several women that they report seeing the resurrected Jesus. And so, can you imagine what they're talking about in that room? The stories, 
You know, maybe, maybe Peter's like, you know, I, I saw the tomb. I saw it was empty when I got there. And John's chiming in. He goes, yeah, yeah, I was there too. The, it, it was empty. I can, I can verify it. And so they're processing this stuff. They're processing what Mary told them, that she had not only seen Jesus, she'd talked to him. And so the disciples, even though they're scared, they're going, is it possible? Could, could he really be alive? Verse 36 says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, right in the middle, and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. So they're talking about Jesus, the possibilities, that maybe, maybe he's alive. Boom. Jesus appears. Right in the middle of them. And it frightens them. I think it probably freaked them out a little bit. They, they, they see Jesus. They had seen him crucified. They'd watched him die. This would be like going to a funeral, seeing the body in the casket, going to the gravesite, seeing the casket put into the ground, and, and a few days later, you're sitting, having dinner, and suddenly the person appears at the table and goes, hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, you laugh, but you wouldn't laugh, would you? <laughs> They were dead, now they're alive. The disciples see Jesus, and he's alive, and immediately they think ghost, you know. You know, he said to them, why are you troubled? Here, here comes the important part. And why do doubts rise in your mind? Big question there, isn't it? Now, Scripture doesn't say this, but I'm thinking Jesus is like, hey, boys, did, did you forget everything I told you? Yeah. Did you forget I told you in three days I would walk out of that grave? You know, do, do you forget what I was capable of? You know, did you forget I, I, I gave the blind they were able to see? I raised people from the dead? Did, did you forget the time I spoke and I calmed the raging sea? Did you forget all that stuff? He says, look at my hands and feet. It's really me, touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones like you see I have. And then we're going to get some further details from the Gospel of John. John says this, he says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Most scholars believe that the disciples, although they're hiding, okay, and they're afraid, this is also the first of the week they've gathered for worship and prayer. So it was a worship service that Thomas wasn't at. He missed church, kind of. He missed out on the encouragement. He missed out on being prayed for that day, being built up. 
He missed out on the presence and the power of Jesus Christ, and he missed out on the proof of actually getting to see the resurrected Jesus. He missed all that stuff. Yeah, Thomas was disappointed. He's struggling in his life. I mean, maybe he'd withdrawn from everybody. Friends, this wasn't the time to withdraw. This isn't the time to be the lone wolf. He, He missed out on fellowship with the disciples. You know, that was his small group. And there is no doubt in my mind that being absent fueled his doubts, fueled his unbelief. I tell people all the time, you miss out when you miss worship. You miss out when the community of faith gathers for worship and prayer. You miss out. And it's especially true when, when you're facing challenges in life or struggles. And that's when a lot of people, they go, eh, I can't go to church. I'm going through some stuff. That's not the time to isolate. It's not the time to go your own way. You know, the Hebrew writer says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Yeah, they do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. My point, don't miss out. Don't miss out. We need each other. Thomas, Thomas, he he felt confused after Jesus died. He's disappointed. He's hurt. He's scared. He should have been at the gathering with the disciples, but he wasn't. He missed out on getting to see Jesus that day. And I believe the church is to be a place where people gather and bring your hurts, bring your confusion Bring your doubts. It should be a place of prayer. It's where as we gather and we worship and we fellowship, that we're energized. Thomas, Thomas, he he is struggling and he missed out. Says in John 20, verse 25, says the other disciples, they kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. I'm going to just stop there. This isn't a one and done. They tell Thomas over and over and over again, we've seen him. They they share what what they had witnessed. And friends, we're to share the good news. We're to keep reaching out over and over and over again. Reach out with grace and love. To, to tell a world that's lost. This world needs Jesus, there isn't any doubt. It's broken. But we're to share that. We're to share it with grace and to share it with love. And here's my question to you. Who is it that you've only shared once your faith with them? You invited them to church once. They said no, and you wrote them off, and you go, yep, done that. Don't do that. 
the disciples, they keep sharing. We've seen him, Thomas. He was alive. And they, in fact, they keep telling him this so many times. When you read the story, finally Thomas is like, stop, quit. I do not believe it. You know, it is, when I read this story, I've often wondered if the issue for Thomas wasn't pride at some point. You know, he'd followed Jesus for years. He thought Jesus was the Messiah. And when Jesus died, for him, the dream shattered. He's disappointed. He's disillusioned. I wonder if he felt a little duped. I believed in Jesus before. Look where that got me. Or or maybe his ego got involved. And he wasn't at the worship service that Jesus showed up at. And he's like, I should have been there. I could have seen him. And so he goes into a self-destructive mode. You know, pride will do that to you. He ends up kind of standing his ground here. He goes, but he says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. See, maybe it's a pride issue. He's pushing them off. I wasn't there. I didn't get to experience it. So I'm not going to believe it happened. Or, or maybe, maybe he's one of those guys that just needed more. I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe he's thinking, I, I, I want more than secondhand knowledge here. I want more than a secondhand faith. I, I want firsthand experience of seeing and touching the risen Lord and Savior. Friends, you've got to get this. You've got to have a firsthand faith, a firsthand experience with Jesus that's your own. It's personal. In other words, you can't ride along. And I see people do this all the time. They go, well, you know, my, my parents were Christians, so I, I guess I'm a Christian too. No. You must experience Jesus personally for yourself. And I want to say something to, how many parents we got raising kids right now? All right, first of all, raise your kids in the church. Teach them. But do not be surprised when your children at some point start wrestling with doubts. Start asking questions. And when it happens, and it will, do not panic. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because as they're asking questions, they're doing it because they wonder if they can make your faith their faith. And so when they ask the questions, talk with them about it. And you go, well, they're asking me stuff I can't answer. Well, then study. 
and figure out how to communicate what you need to communicate. And yes, it might be complicated, and it might be difficult, and it might be hard, and maybe sometimes when you get right down to it, you can't really fully answer the question. But I believe the church, small groups, what happens out in the, our atrium, it's okay ask questions. This should be a safe place, and the home should be a safe place to ask the questions and deal with those doubts. Maybe. Maybe the disciples, and I'm just interjecting here, but because they kept sharing their faith, it says, I wonder if through that week, because they would have ran into each other all the time, so like on Monday and Tuesday, they see Thomas, and they're like, hey, Thomas, we really did see the Lord. He's alive, you know. Wednesday, Thursday, you know. Thomas, Thomas, I'm telling you, he's alive. He was standing right there in the room with us. You know, on Friday and Saturday, they're like, we've really seen him, Thomas. I'm, trust me, we've seen him. And guess what? That next Sunday, Thomas showed up. I mean, even though he had doubts, he showed up. And friends, when you have doubts, you've got to learn to show up. I think this moment with the disciples... I mean, it speaks volumes. You know, even when, when Thomas had adamantly dismissed what they said, you know, they're telling him they've seen him alive, and he just goes, nope, don't buy that. His friends, the other disciples, they show him grace. The, the disciples want him to be there with them. They, they still included him. And I, I get inspired by this. And in fact, I want to I say to the church, can we create that kind of space? You know, for people that are struggling, people that are doubting, can, can we be unshockable? You know, can we be unoffendable? Can, can we be loving and gracious even before people believe or when people are messing up. You know, Thomas, we want you to come to church. I'll save a seat for you. I'll take you out for lunch afterwards. Some of you are very, very kind. You're just not very persistent. I mean, some of you love people but you don't love them enough to share the gospel and tell them about Jesus. And then some of you, well, you're very persistent. You're just not very kind. Friends, it takes truth and love and grace to reach people for Jesus Christ. We need all of that. The disciples, they are persistent with Thomas. But they're also gracious and kind. And it sets the stage for Thomas's encounter where he gets to see the risen Lord. 
Scripture says this. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. See? He shows up. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Jesus appears in the room. It's full of disciples. But this time, I mean, Jesus zeroes in on Thomas at this point. Verse 27, it says, Then he says to Thomas, I love this, put your finger here. See my hands? You know, reach out your hands and put it, put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus doesn't talk to any of the other disciples first. There's no chit-chat, that, at least not in Scripture, we don't see it. Jesus zeroes in on Thomas, the, the one that wanted to believe. You know, and Jesus goes straight to him and says, go ahead, touch my hands. This is what you need? You know, touch my side. But then it's the command at the end. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed. And I want you, I want you to notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't chew Thomas out. He didn't shun him, and he didn't kick him out. You're out, young man. You cannot be a disciple. You messed up big time. No, he gave him exactly what he needed, and then he said, stop doubting. Start believing. Some of you have you need to deal with your doubts. You know, you're having that bout with doubt in your life. And I believe the presence of God will give you what you need to believe in your life. It's what God does all the time. God, God has always, always given me what I needed Maybe not what I wanted, but what I needed to believe. But he might not give me what I wanted to believe. Does that make sense? God works that way. God has changed my perspective throughout my entire life. And it's what happened to, to Thomas. You know, Jesus says, see for yourself? Go ahead and touch me. The scripture says, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. <laughs> it's not secondhand faith. No, it's, it's firsthand faith at that point. It wasn't uh, believing in Jesus. No, it's actually believing Jesus at that point. 
I might remind you, even demons believe in Jesus. They just don't bow a knee. They know he exists. For Thomas, it becomes very personal. It becomes life-changing. Friends, it's what happens when, when you find yourself in the presence of God. You know, if you pursue Jesus, at some point you'll stop doubting and you'll start believing. But the fact is, I worry for some of you because you're just spending all your time, you know, doubting. If you pursue Jesus, you can put a stop to it. You can start believing in in your life. You know, that that faith can change your, your perspective on absolutely everything. It can change your life. You know, Thomas, he, he would uh, end up traveling further than any of the other disciples sharing the good news. He went all the way to India. We know this from history. You know, he, he wanted everyone to experience a relationship with Jesus. He, he was transformed by Jesus. And even, even that doubt that he had, it was gone when he was asked to renounce his faith you know, either, either renounce it or die. I love, he stood his ground. No doubts. And he died. He died for his faith. You know, some of you are doubting your faith. And that's okay. But some of you have been on the sidelines a long, long, long time. And you're not doing anything to address your doubts. You know, for some of you, it's been five years, 10 years, decades of doubting. And I do worry for you because if you're not careful, you will spend your entire life doubting. Do not do that. Don't sell yourself short. Here's a promise from Jesus. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And those who seek, find. And to everyone who knocks, it will be open. God will meet you. God will help you find the answer to the question that you got. God will open the door. God will give you what you need, that thing you doubt. He will give you what you need. But you, you got you to move. You got to pursue. You go, well, how, how's that going to happen? Well, I don't know. God may move through a scripture. See, that means you should be reading scripture. God, God might ignite your faith through a song or, or a message. He might speak to you through a friend, through a situation you're going through. But God will move. And if you allow him, he'll move you from whatever that thing is that you doubt. He'll move you to faith, to believe. God has done that for me my whole life. 
and I am absolutely positive, no doubt about it here, he'll do it for you. But you got to give him the opportunity. Doubt is not the end of faith. In fact, I believe it's just the opposite. It's the beginning of a real faith, a solid faith, and ultimately a life-changing faith. So, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, we praise you for who you are. God, this morning, I just, um, I know there are many that have doubts in different areas. And God, I pray that they'd have the courage to just lift that doubt to you. To just say, I'm having a hard time believing this or understanding this. And God, I know your Holy Spirit can work, can open doors, open minds, change lives. And God, whatever that doubt is that uh, you would just insert yourself into the middle of it. That you'd move them from that doubt to a place of faith. God, we long to be people of faith. But it's hard when we can't see sometimes. God, I pray that uh, today would be the day that uh, they'd pursue you. That they'd start dealing with that doubt. God, we thank you for your great love, your grace, your mercy, Lord, I pray that you would move us to be people of faith. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God's people said? Amen. amen. There'll be prayer teams down front to pray with you. Uh, I just ask you to remain seated and just uh, listen to the words of the song and, and maybe in the midst of it, just say, okay, God, here's my doubt. And, and lift it to him and say, I'm going to pursue, try and find answers. I need proof, whatever. Your words, you figure it out, but allow God to minister to you this morning.